So welcome back to this week's Performance Pathways podcast. Uh, this is Dr. Nikki Kirk, and I am not ashamed to say that I'm really excited to finally get uh, Dr. Jerry Ramajida onto the podcast this week. I've kind of been kind of been chasing him for for a little while. Uh, he's um, somebody that I met several years back at a at a conference called BSMPG in, in Boston, where he was doing some instruction. He was uh, working uh, on the extremity and just explaining his approach uh, to to rehabilitation. Uh, he's got a really, really interesting and diverse background, which I'll let him take you through. At the moment, currently, he works at a clinic called Altius um, up in the up in the northwest of the of the United States, Canada. Sorry, and he is. Uh, I got confused there because he also works with the Seattle Seahawks. He's a very uh, humble man. I won't see him plaster all over social media, but he's somebody that has some great insights to share. Uh, so for that reason, I'm, I'm really happy to bring him on. So I'm, I'm going to bring in Jerry now and just let him fill in some of the other bits and pieces from his his graduation uh, right through to the present day, and then we'll, we'll lead on from there. Uh, okay, Jerry, you're 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 live and on the podcast. So I, I know I gave a very brief uh, summary there, probably some of the some of the highest points, or at least what were pertinent to me. But um, let's um, let's go back to uh, to your college days and then uh, bring us up to date. Sure, sounds good. Well, first of all, thank you, uh, Doc, for having me on. It's uh, it's exciting to have the opportunity to to, to speak with you today. Uh, so yeah, going back, I did my chiropractic degree uh, at Western States Chiropractic College in Portland, Oregon, and going in always had a kind of an interest in sport. And when I got out, I uh, immediately kind of started volunteering with any sports team that actually let me hang around. Uh, knowing that I, you know, had the desire, but maybe not a lot of knowledge as to how to apply the skills I just learned, um, or what this, how the skills I had actually would be would work in sport. Uh, so I volunteered with a couple soccer teams, football teams, <laughs> a couple of uh, a hockey team, uh, and this is all kind of kids and, and teenagers. And I volunteered uh, with a, a group of track athletes, and uh, and then as well as rugby, I had a first, second, and third division teams and a and a women's team, all part of the same club. So I was kind of running around like like a crazy person in those first number of years, just kind of getting my feet wet as much as I could, and uh, kind of went from there. So. As you mentioned, I, I work with the Seattle Seahawks. That developed, kind of came out of my work with track. In working with track, we had a few young kids that kind of hit the national and international level uh, early in my career. And as you know, kind of track and field is a very small community. So once I was in that realm working with those kids, I got to meet some other high-profile Canadians in Donovan Bailey and Bruni Surin, uh, who both went uh, well under 10 seconds. Obviously, Donovan set a world record back in Atlanta Olympics. So I started working with them and, and got to know their coach well, uh, Dan Paff. So some people may have heard of Dan. Yeah. So that's how Dan and I kind of got connected. And from there, you know, I just kept working with numerous athletes at the international level of track. And it was uh, actually an introduction through Dan that led to the Seahawks in that uh, his good friend uh, was the head strength coach under Mike Holmgren. 
and uh, they were looking for someone who uh, was doing at the time active release techniques and who could help to instruct their staff as well as treat their players. And it, you know, it just happened that I was uh, well into ART and was an assistant instructor at the time and uh, kind of interviewed in the process uh, amongst some other docs and got the position and ended up, you know, going, and that's 16 years ago, uh, going into my 16th season this year. So it's amazing how time flies. Um, seen some, some good times and bad times, I'm sure. You know, I've seen the ups and downs for sure. You know, the highest of highs and definitely the lowest of lows in, in that, that phase. Um, yeah, currently also working with the MLS club here in Vancouver with the Whitecaps. And then, as you mentioned, I work, work at an athlete development center here. It's actually uh, Fortius, uh, it's called. And um, so I'm the director of chiropractic services here. It's a multidisciplinary clinic that's been designed in a way to encourage collaboration and integration amongst multiple professionals. So it's a lot of fun that, that way. We have a huge facility. What, uh, which other uh, types of professionals have you got in there? Sorry, Jerry. Yeah, no, we've got anything you can think of almost that would relate to the needs of an athlete. We've got uh, physiotherapy, uh, massage therapy, obviously us in chiropractic. We have sports vision, uh, nutrition. Um, we have a hydrotherapy uh, pool with a HydroWorks underwater treadmill. So we have the staff associated with that. We have our strength and conditioning group. I know I'm forgetting people. We have a number of sports med physicians as well as specialists, so uh, orthopedic surgeons. We have a rheumatologist, uh, or a pediatric rheumatologist. But uh, yeah, so so a very broad group of, of individuals and professionals uh, almost trying to create a situation where an athlete can come and then regardless of who they're evaluated by the first time, we can then connect them to the services they require to either rehab or to improve performance, whatever their purpose is for, for coming. So how, do, how does the um, interprofessional relationships, how, how does that work there? How, how has that been cultivated and, and who sets the tone for that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, because you know, I, I had the experience where I was there in London with uh, in, in the build-up to the London Games for three years, brought in by UK Athletics, and often there's an assumption if you just put good people together, this collaboration and the integration is going to occur, and and it, you know it does really need help and assistance with this uh, with this um, facility, uh, Fortius. When people come in. There, there. We have pillars, and collaboration, integration, and innovation are kind of our three pillars. And you have to agree that those are things you wish to strive toward to actually have the opportunity to work here. And in in that regard, there's a lot of efforts to then ensure that those things happen. It, it's almost a responsibility as a pr practitioner here that you're going to put forth the effort to to collaborate with others, to integrate with others, to look outside your scope of what you do and see what other things may benefit the patient. Ultimately, keeping the focus in mind that you're looking for the best outcome for the patient. It takes a lot of confidence in your abilities. It takes a lot of self-reflection to realize where your limitations are. 
uh, as well. You know, you may do something well, but there's maybe someone who does it better. And for the sake of the client, you want to always look out for what their best interests are. Um, so, you know, it really is a, a mindset. It's something that's encouraged daily. We get emails every morning that uh, talk about leadership and and always uh, return us to what our what our commitments are in being here. Uh, so it's it's kind of an ongoing process, and and it hasn't been easy. You know, it, we've we've had to work at it. We're in our fifth year, and I think we're kind of now getting there where it <laughs> where it's happening organically and and happens more often than not. But it it has been a process for sure. So that that sort of brings two things to mind. The, the first one is uh, how how would you describe yourself if I if I met you in an elevator and I didn't know who you were. How and I said, uh, Jerry, nice to meet you. Uh, what do you do for a living? What What would be your sort of two minutes there that you would tell me? Right, right. That's a good question. Sometimes I don't know myself, but uh, yeah, it's, it's an awful question. <laughs> you know, if I were to explain what I do, uh, obviously I'm a chiropractor, educated as a, as a chiropractor, and I think as a as the education we have, it sets us in a really good position to evaluate human movement, human structure, um, because from the very start, we're taught to look holistically. And, and I think that's a definite advantage. So I think I look at athlete performance and athlete movement holistically, and then look at the integrity of both the, the skeletal and the myofascial system and how those integrate um, and then provide inputs to optimize movement quality i don't know does that <laughs> that's a that's a good on the spot answer yeah yeah that's good i was just actually what i was really interested in to to know just just knowing your background and and your history with with uk athletics and your uh and the the presentation that you gave which was uh there there was a lot of obviously neuromuscular type exercises in there and a lot of re rehab based and i did also get to see you do some some manual handling as it were as well but i was just curious to see where how what you defined yourself as as first, because uh, with such a broad scope in the profession, sometimes identity can can be a little bit difficult. And, and chiropractor may sum up one thing to one individual, but to another group, like my experience with a physiotherapist at, at Hibs, for example, where where he'd said to me, uh, he he said, "Oh, we want a chiropractor," and I said, "Fantastic!" Like, um, but what do you really want? Like, what what do you think a chiropractor should do? And what are the players actually looking for? Like what's missing from your program that, that you think I can fill. And, and really he wasn't sure he didn't have a good definition of it. And, and I often wonder because we, we don't really have maybe a, a, a universal definition of it either that, that nobody really knows what a sports chiropractor necessarily does or, or is capable of doing. And uh, through, through the, partly through the podcast, but just through conversations like this, it's, it's just great to get a sense of what people uh, are capable of. They're, their background and, and where they've worked. And, um, and to lead on from that also, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you'd, you'd mentioned and, and a, a topic of discussion that I've had recently actually with, with Derek Hansen amongst other people is this idea of almost nepotism in, in the performance industry, or oh, I'm going to recommend this guy and he's, he's going to get the position. Uh, and, and my feeling on it is that, well, look, if, if somebody I trust recommends somebody to me, that, that tells me that they have integrity and it's going to open the door. But skill set still the skill set and the individual still has to close the door behind them and prove they're the right person for the job. Uh, so, what I would ask you is, since you're um, fairly involved in 
in probably recruitment and appraisal up at uh, up at Fortius. Uh, if you were recruiting a chiropractor, sports chiropractor, what skill sets would you be looking for? What would be your minimum requirements, and then what on top of that would be a bonus? Uh, typically, you know, obviously the ability to to perform an evaluation um, to be able to clinically effectively evaluate kind of where an athlete may have given restrictions or, or limitations, which comes down pretty much to our, hopefully our clinical education that, uh, that they receive in school and, 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 and develop, you know, early soft tissue, good soft tissue evaluation and manual, manual techniques. Um, you know, I, I, Obviously, in chiropractic education, we, we learn various uh, modes and methods of, of manipulation and mobilization, which are critically important to ensure that we have good um, articular function. And then, uh, obviously, with that is ensuring we have good soft tissue tone and soft tissue quality. So, you know, uh, whatever tools, a, a few tools in the toolbox to deal with soft tissue dysfunction. And then... You know, having having a, I we don't make a demand of, of a really strong rehab background because you know there's op- obviously opportunity to to learn um, in the field, but an understanding of the basics of of rehab and and the and the process processes that you you would take someone through uh, their their progression from from early injury on to return to play again don't have to have expert knowledge in in return to play but just a basic understanding. So I think back to your question, you know, the, if we look at, yeah, the manual skills, both from a manipul- manipulative standpoint and a soft tissue management standpoint, the ability to, to evaluate, and then a willingness, really a willingness to, to learn um, uh, on the rehab side uh, to develop those, develop, well, I just can't speak today, develop those skills further. <laughs> that's, that's most days for me that's um standard these days <laughs> I, I know that feeling yes <laughs> so do you do you offer internship programs or or observation peers you typically have students rotate through or are there opportunities for that sort of thing up there you know we're working on it here uh formally at at altus uh sorry at fortius yeah, see why I get confused? <laughs> yes, I know I'm getting confused myself. And then, uh, as you mentioned, I do work at Altus, the in Phoenix. Um, so Altus is a professional and semi-professional training group uh, where Dan Paff, Stuart McMillan, uh, Kevin Tyler, Andreas Bem, they're coaching a number of of world-class athletes and they're based there full time we also teach out of there a program called performance therapy um, and that we teach a few times a year so there's there's opportunity there we do have on occasion um, people do internships or just come and drop in for a week and and um, Dr. Jazz Rondawa is a chiropractor there who we hired. He's kind of the, the boots on the ground, uh, leading the, the on, on track staff. Uh, and so, we, yeah, we've had some, some individuals go and spend time and observe there. And there is opportunity to observe here at Fortius. Uh, it's just not a formalized, uh, mentorship or internship program, but we are working on that currently. 
Did you do a lot of observations and, and let's say non-formal visits in, in your, I mean, probably you still do. I mean, I know I still do, but did you do a lot in your formative years? And if you did, how did you go about making those initial contacts? You know, I was, I, I did, I had a number of mentors that were, you know, incredibly supportive of, of my efforts and kind of guided me on the path. And uh, Dr. Michael Leahy, who was the founder and kind of developer of ART, was was a mentor early. And through that, I met a number of, of docs, uh, Dr. Mark Lindsay, um, who's in Ottawa, but has worked with athletes kind of around the planet in multiple sports and hockey, tennis, uh, almost any sport you think of, uh, you know, he's he's been involved. Uh, Dr. Joe Polino, who's in Toronto and works heavily in, in professional hockey. Uh, I, Dr. Rob DiStefano, who works with the New York Giants. And so when I was starting, these guys were doing all the things I wanted to do. And I, I, I spent as much time as I possibly could picking their brains and asking questions. And when they told me to take a certain course, I didn't ask why. I just signed up because <laughs> I had that much respect for what these guys were doing and knew ultimately if I wanted to accomplish and do the things they were doing that, uh, you know, they've been down the road uh, and their advice is, 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 uh, is valuable. Yeah. And, um, and, and Goldie, yeah, but it's funny, we all have these, these types of mentors, I think. And this has been a common theme that's recurred again and again in, in all of these podcasts, regardless of what the person's background or philosophy was, was uh, hard work, voluntary work early on, a lot of hustle, some good mentorship, some good leadership, and then just applying the knowledge in a sensible way and everybody seems to be managed to integrate seems to have managed to integrate well into into whatever environment they've they've been into and uh, if anything that that maybe has been an observation of mine just speaking to uh, younger and, and let's say very enthusiastic practitioners i think i think sometimes the the excitement of the situations can can let them to get, get a bit carried away with um with with where they're at so are there any have you noticed any maybe challenges or, or any let's say i don't want to say fatherly advice that sounds very patronizing but uh sound advice you would give to somebody that's that's graduating that that just wants to get their teeth in how how are you how would they make that first uh first inroad into let's say getting into professional team whether it's football soccer hockey right yeah absolutely i i kind of chuckling as I can think of a number of stories where my early enthusiasm, you know, caused a, caused a little bit of difficulty, but I'll, I'll come back to that to answer your, your question. A ruckus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the biggest thing I, you know, I, I wanted to work in sport. I knew that the hope was to get into professional sport, but you know, as we all know, the opportunities in professional sport because there's only so many professional teams in in areas that we live or have access to are limited. So that that was the goal, that was the hope. But it all started from the grassroots. Like I said, I, you know, the 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 being on the pitch on Saturday morning with ten year old soccer and and then in a freezing ice rink down from my office with kind of fifteen year old hockey players and uh, out on the side of the track <laughs> and just observing and learning. I mean, that's, that's where kind of all the, all the hard work 
occur to to really gain an understanding and appreciation for what athletes did, how they moved, and then what it was I could do to help them accomplish what it was they were trying to do. And I think the biggest thing for a for a young Cairo going out, if you want to work in a sport, you need to spend time with the coach. You need to um, make yourself available and say, hey, look, I, I'm here to learn. I want to support you and your athletes. Uh, and that's often your best way in finding, finding some, some lower level squads that may not have the budget, but are going to be appreciative of having you there. And they're going to support you being there because they're a resource they wouldn't otherwise have. And then they're going to be open to helping to educate you. I often ask, you know, practitioners, if they're working with athletes and, and they haven't, and they don't understand the sport or what the athlete's trying to accomplish, uh, then how do you know what to do? How do you know that certain asymmetries aren't a product of the the sport they're doing, the um, repetitive patterns that they have to display, and that if you overcorrect, you're not causing issue? These are things that if you spend time with a coach and you understand the technical aspects that they're trying to teach an athlete, if you speak to the athletes and you understand the technical um, patterns that they're trying to perfect, then, then you start adding your skills into that into that uh, effort, and it's it's what we call in performance therapy. We, we our fundamental base is the is the athlete, coach, therapist uh, trinity, and everyone understanding exactly what the athlete's trying to accomplish, and everyone working toward that goal. Um, and so, volunteering and getting involved that's that's your best bet, uh, and you and you'll learn the most from it. Once, you, once you've done that and once you have a good understanding, reputation starts to, to build. Uh, athletes speak positively. Coaches speak positively. And that is when you know, more and more opportunity tends to, to open the door. The biggest thing, like you were saying, the enthusiasm, you need to, need to stay humble. You know, we want to when we get these opportunities we want to be as impressive as we can and we want to show our value uh, but we need to always keep in mind what the purpose of us being there is and in the environment such as yourself you know working within professional football you have physios who have a certain role. You have your sports physicians who, who are in a position where they have to make diagnoses and, and create confidence within the athlete that, that they're confident in their diagnosis. You have to keep these things in mind because it's very easy with your enthusiasm to try to impress the athlete and you start saying things uh, that may counter what's already been said if you're not aware and if you get overexcited and say oh you've got this this and this and i can fix this this and this and all of a sudden there's confusion in the mind of the athlete and you can be sure that that athlete eventually is going to go back to the physio or the or the sports med physician and say hey uh jerry said uh this is the diagnosis which is completely opposite of yours and 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 now you've created a problem and and i've done that (laughs) inadvertently you know yeah i think we all i'm just sitting here like nodding because that's that's absolutely golden i'd never actually heard somebody articulate or spell it out in that way in the in the, in the sort of first person going going through that i've done it 100 percent for sure i've done it somebody's come in and you want to be the the hero the, the hero practitioner that saves the day uh, and and it just um 
your credibility just goes down the toilet because what you what you fail to remember is that this athlete or individual might have been working with these practitioners for years and you're just some fly by night guy that's or girl that's just dropped in the door and all of a sudden you're telling them X, Y, Z and I can do this, this and this. And you're making some some pretty wild assumptions and claims. And so I'm, I'm sort of sitting here kind of nodding and feeling a little bit internally embarrassed as well. Because I've never heard it articulated quite quite so well. But but now, now you've said, I would say, yeah, that's that probably the number one mistake that you, that you could make in terms of relationship building and, and credibility. One situation early when I was with the Seattle Seahawks and the athlete had ruptured his Achilles. And uh, again, you know, I, I was in there two days, well, depending if we had a game that weekend, I was maybe there three days a week and uh the athlete tore his achilles and you know i'm coming in day five so obviously he's had his evaluation he's had his imaging he's spoken with the sports med physician our head doc and then he's spent a few days already with the training staff and you know i was i knew the athlete already and uh you know at the time I had some experience because Donovan Bailey had ruptured his Achilles and they did some pretty novel things, Dr. Mark Lindsay and his group. And so I was just excited to pass on information because, you know, Donovan had great results, but it was, it ran exactly 100% counter to the recommendations that the staff had already given him because, you know, I was, I was recommending something novel and in my mind, I was, giving the best advice I thought to the athlete, but I forgot to think of the environment I'm in, which I'm part of a team and that athlete needs a collective and um, a collective and a cohesive message. And, and, and it created issue because thankfully I was well enough established by that time that it didn't get me tossed out the door, but it definitely got me a strong talking to from the head trainer to say, Hey, you need to remember, (laughs) you know, what you're, what your role is, and that if you have recommendations, come to us first so that we can deliver it in a manner that's consistent with what we've already said. I hate those talking to's. They're awful. I know. So I'm, I'm curious then, uh, you sort of alluded a little bit to your work with the Seahawks. So I'm thinking of your early days. I'm sure that I'm sure the hours were short and sociable, right, when you when you first graduated. But uh, these days, what, what does an average week look like for you? What from, from Monday, and I know we all work seven days, so I mean, Monday to Sunday, what what sort of things have you got going on and, and how's your time spread? That's a good question. It kind of varies at times, but um, actually right now, just last week, our off-season program ended with the Seahawks. So I actually have a relatively calm schedule from now until, until August. So I, this is a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, typical schedule for me, um, uh, you know, it's with football season and then with, with working with the MLS here and, and I have the, the clinic hours at Fortius, you are going seven days a week, you know, in season right now, if, if we were in season, I would be uh, clinical practice on, uh, I'd be with the Seahawks through the weekend, um, Saturday, Sunday, and then I work at the facility Monday after the game. Uh, depending on where the game is, if it's a West Coast uh, time zone or a Pacific time zone, we leave Saturday for a Sunday game. If it's an East Coast or, or, or Central time zone, we would leave Friday. Uh, and then I'm working in the hotel Friday evening and Saturday prior to the game. Then we do uh, work pregame Sunday. 
and then I'm back in the facility Monday. We're kind of cleaning up after after Sunday, and then into the clinic uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then back down to Seattle for the weekend to to do it all again. And then MLS, uh, I split with a young Cairo here, so every second Tuesday, I'm uh, down at the Whitecaps facility, and then we divide the, the home games up. So there might be a Wednesday evening game. Um, those are the during the football season. I cover those because I can't be there on the weekends. And then uh, with Altus, I um, am back and forth down to Phoenix at times, depending on their needs and depending on the time of the season. And uh, I think that's pretty much yet that i'm that i'm <laughs> that i'm remembering do you sleep much jerry <laughs> <laughs> i try to i try to i know the importance of sleep so i try to get that in um never feels like it's enough though i'm sure you know that feeling well <laughs> i've got two two small children so I've, I've, given, I've pretty much given up the ghost to be quite frank i'm just uh i'm just happy to get my five or six hours and and, and you know whatever and then regret all those those times i didn't sleep when i when i could have back in the day so you were um you you work much with patrick ward up at seattle yeah yeah i, I speak pretty regularly with patrick um uh, he's up in in the performance department and is really uh um uh, does an amazing job uh taking you know performance data and synthesizing it into information that is uh, valuable and usable by the uh by our both you know the training staff and the coaching staff uh great guy you know very very bright at what he does uh very skilled you know you've almost could be a separate podcast but aside from what you've done you've also actually worked with some some really interesting people marco cardinale also springs to mind as well right right yeah i you know after the years you get the opportunity to work with so many great great people and and uh it almost it, it those those people that you get the opportunity to work with and they kind of shape your direction and have impact on you. you you're right you could do a you could do a whole <laughs> a few hours just on on different different individuals and 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 uh just the great people you get to meet uh, along the way like the, the heroes podcast we could do there we go <laughs> so just to um just, just to just to close out, I, uh, are you are you doing much teaching these days, Jerry? Aside from down at um, down at Altus, I know you've got those performance therapy programs that that are more or less sounds like they're more or less um, quarterly. Um, who are they appropriate for? Are they for mainly aimed at younger graduate? Oh, anybody could be a graduate, but let's say newer practitioners, or, or would they be appropriate for anybody that that's working in sports, even as a top up or as a, a skill builder? Yeah, absolutely. We we get a broad range from newer practitioners to well-established practitioners. We've had uh, teams uh, in baseball and and in basketball send, you know, members of their staff to kind of get exposed to the paradigm of that athlete coach therapist triad and and making our manual skills more of a complement to training and to improving skill acquisition. Um, so. Yeah, it's very broad. Uh, I think as a new practitioner, it's a way to get exposed to utilizing your skills in a manner that separates, not separates, but it adds another aspect of how you can use your skills as opposed to dealing or managing injury or or, um, or 
specific problems, it opens up that whole thing of performance enhancement and and improving um, movement quality, movement patterning, and ultimately then skill acquisition. But also, <clears throat> in the same regard, we experienced practitioners can can definitely gain as well. You know, chiros and massage therapists, physiotherapists, strength, strength and conditioning coaches, and we even had kind of event coaches kind of take the program as well. Uh, so it's, it is a broad mix. It's a lot of fun to have that many different uh, perspectives in the room when we're teaching. I need me one of those poolside chats. I think I get a lot out of that. <laughs> They've become they become the the most enjoyed part, just the open dialogue. And because Phoenix has the nice weather, you know, we're typically outside sitting around a table, enjoying the enjoying the sun and just letting the conversation roll in whichever direction it wants to go. That's where the magic happens. Yes, absolutely. And and so you're not you're not teaching under your own uh, umbrella at the moment, which obviously I think is a is a shame. But I but I understand you're very heavily committed in other ways. Um, is there anywhere that that you would particularly want to draw people's attention to? I mean, obviously, uh, Fortius, Altus, anything else that you think people should be looking at? Any trends that you see that you think are important? Um, you know, I, I like the fact that that movement-based evaluation and observation is, um, is prominent in the field. I think uh, Andrea Ospina's work with... Uh, his his programs frc the the functional range release the the functional range conditioning i think that's some really good stuff there's so you know when i when i came out it was funny i i got deeply into art but at the time it was almost like art was just it was cracking the door on the the wave of what we've got now in terms of the types of seminars and things that people can access and there's so much good stuff out there now with with you know DNS and and um, now obviously now that I'm going to list them I'm forgetting them all but <laughs> just just make up some just make up some acronyms nobody nobody will know there's so many now just yeah but <laughs> yeah but you're absolutely right there's some there's some just great stuff out there and probably I've taken a number of them and I'm sure you have had a look at them as well this is probably where I'd just like to close out and and say um, what challenges do you see for for young practitioners at this point in time. What obstacles are you seeing for people, and and what outlook do you think there is for the profession, um, sports chiropractic, as as such, for for younger people coming out to give them uh, uh, maybe a little little bit of motivation to keep keep plugging away and, and actually grind like like you did when you first graduated. Yeah, you know, I think it, we're actually in in a much better place now. When I started, you know, it's still it, it, most staffs, even even. Um, within the Olympics and track, uh, having a chiropractor involved wasn't a given. Um, but it was the skills that we as chiropractors have that athletes wanted and pushed for to have our inclusion. And um, it's come a long way now where, where in, in a lot of cases, there, there is typically a chiropractor involved in a core group of staff. Uh, and so in that way, you know, I think there's more opportunity in, in sport for chiropractors. The, the, the demand is, however, is you, you need to have a lot of tools in the toolbox. You need to have the manual skills to be able to implement uh, um, effective, effective hands-on work. Um, you need to 
be able to understand from an anatomical standpoint what may be generating restriction or, or causing the issue that you're seeing and then have the tools that will give you the specificity to impact the tissues that that you hypothesize or, or, or evaluate that are, are involved. Um, so, you know, it, it coming straight out of school and just having the, a, a few skills that you learned in school, while they're obviously valuable, you know, I think the true learning happens when you get, once you're out of school. So you, you need to always have that mindset of just always wanting to learn and always improve your skills and, uh, and learn as much as you can about the sport. So that, that that's probably the biggest demand coming out is, is getting involved, realizing what you don't know, and then continue, continually striving to, to gain as many skill sets and tools in the toolbox as you can so that, um, you can you can contribute in as many ways as possible i think that is probably a great note to end on today jerry so look i know you have to rush off and i'm really grateful for this uh now 38 going on 39 minute podcast that i said would be much shorter um i know there's a much greater depth to go into here and you've, you've convinced me that I, I simply have to come up to vancouver there's just too many good people up there for me not to, to take a trip and i hear it's nice too Thanks so much, Jerry, and hopefully it won't be four years uh, until I speak to you again next time. Yes, absolutely. Sounds good. Thank you very much again for the opportunity. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So thank you for listening to this Pathways to Performance podcast. We hope that you find this episode engaging and as interesting as we did. Join us next time as we continue to explore the journeys of other high-performance practitioners in elite sports.